Support for this podcast comes from Broadbean, a smart, innovative global recruitment technology business which helps recruiters to reach candidates in a fast, effective and efficient way. I recently spoke with their client, James Purvis, head of talent acquisition at CERN, to find out what he loves about Broadbean. What I love about Broadbean is the ability to take decisions based on data. So instead of having to believe what the vendors provide you in terms of their information of how many candidates they're going to bring to you, um, you can really use the metrics of the tool to understand how many of the clicks turn into applications, how many of those applicants turn into interviews and how many become higher. So it's all about evaluating the quality and not just the quantity. To find out more, go to www.broadbean.com. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 38 of the Recruiting Future podcast. One of the most common themes I hear in my conversations with in-house recruiters is their frustration at the failings of their recruitment technology. I'm delighted to have Brad Cook, Global VP of Talent Acquisition for Informatica, as my guest this week. Informatica have a well-deserved reputation for using recruitment technology brilliantly to drive their recruiting strategy forward. To find out how they do it, keep listening. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another Recruiting Future podcast interview. My guest this week is Brad Cook from Informatica. Hi, Brad. How are you? Hi, Matt. How are you doing? Yes, not too bad. Not not too bad. Um, it's a very uh, dark January uh, evening where I am at the moment. I suspect uh, I suspect it's probably a bit sunnier where you are. Well, actually not. I mean, California, and I could be looking out the window thinking I was in the UK right now. It's, it's dark and overcast and quite quite drizzly. Wow. Uh, that's, uh, that's certainly not normal. Um, do you want to give us a, a bit of background about, uh, about you and what you, what, what you do and how you've um, how you sort of come to be at Informatica? Sure. So, um, so I've been in Informatica for, for just close on five years. So Informatica is a is a big data cloud company. We're the leader in the in the data integration space and have been for many years. Um, we're about 5,000 people globally in, in 32 countries. Um, I joined them from Cisco five years ago and basically had to rebuild the uh, the organization. And we've been on track over the last five years sort of hiring between um, six and 800 people a year um, in, in all of those locations across all disciplines of, of the business sales, which I would probably say today um, is some of our challenging areas. Um, R&D in major centres within the, U- the US, Redwood City, Silicon Valley, and, and Bangalore are our two major centres. Um, and then we have some other tech centres around the world as well. So I've been here for five years um, in, in the same role, the longest job I've had in, in any one company. Cool. And um, you, you sort of mentioned the challenges you're having in recruiting, uh, re- recruiting salespeople. What, what are those challenges and, and, and what sort of uh, techniques and uh, tools have you been using to overcome them? Well, I think that the biggest challenge we've had is that the market is so hot over here, especially Silicon Valley. As a company, Informatica has been um, through our own transition. We've gone from a, a publicly traded company of 20 years recently to a private company, um, private investor held company. So the, the market is changing. Startups are, are, are out there. Capital is cheap. So there's a lot of companies being acquired. With that, that means there's a lot of startup companies, which means there's a lot of call for, for all sorts of talent, not just engineering talent. 
um, engineering talent certainly been challenging in in the Bay Area and in India, um, but across the world, I guess software is is the is the new black, and uh, everybody's looking for for strong people that can sell software platforms. What we've been doing to get around that is is building solid CRM platforms and solid um, information gathering, research gathering to uh, to know where where the talent resides whenever we want to go and do that. One of the things we've done um, over the last five years is actually build a research arm. So normally companies would have either full life cycle or sourcing, dedicated sourcing. We've also got one step further and built dedicated research into the organization. So we have a group in India who continuously are out there scouring the web um, or doing research on particular companies um, so we can go out there and find find the name, the contact detail. So we can sort of bypass having to get to them through a LinkedIn in-mail, because we all know LinkedIn is becoming saturated from a recruiter perspective to candidates. Um, candidates are getting inundated with with uh, contact requests, so we need to find other ways to get around them, and that's where, I guess, the CRM platforms and, um, and, and contact information becomes critical. I think that leads nicely on to my next question because, um, you know, I, I've always, um, I, you know, we we, uh, we we met once a, a, a few years back, back, and I've always, um, uh, you know, been interested in your your thoughts on on recruitment technology and the and the, and the kind of things that you've been that you've been doing. Um, what 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 tech do you use to support your your recruitment um, recruitment efforts, and what do you think's, uh, you know, what what are the important elements within that? Well, I think uh, over the five years, my, my, my thoughts have definitely changed. But one of the most important things is, is, is the principle of capture once, use many. And, and working with a data integration company, what we do is not necessarily integrate all our platforms, but understanding the data that has been asked for or of either for a candidate or that we may be collecting from a passive candidate, um, capturing it once and then using it many times. So a, a CRM platform becomes critical, but there's multiple aspects of this. There's there's the hunting down of the passive candidate or the passive uh, prospect, and then there's also the active. So from a technology perspective, we have to make sure we're covering off both. From an active perspective, SEO is, is very, very critical. We've done a lot of work with SEO over the years. Um, a lot of the, the, the talks and speeches I've done around SEO is, is still relevant today, and I think more so. Um, one example is you know, in April last year, 2015, Google made some changes to one of the algorithms, and... And a whole lot of us in the industry started seeing massive drop-offs of, of people coming to the career site. That was around exactly the same time that Informatica was going private. We actually thought it was due to, well, we've gone private. When we started to dig into some of my peers and some of their data as well, we found that the algorithm that Google had changed was actually stopping a lot of the SEO functions getting through. So we lost 50% of our, of our traffic. So technology that allows me to see that um, becomes critical because if I wasn't monitoring um, visitors to my career site, um, visitors to apply, appliers all the way through to hire, I would never know whether there was a problem. Since then, we've, we've actually changed our front end to our career site, put in feed on people and and done a lot of work in building SEO. There's a there's a link, um, I can't remember it off the top of my head, um, from, link, uh, from, from Google that you can put in your career site and it will give you a scoring out of 100, you would guess. Google's career site scores 99 out of 100. At the time, we were scoring 33. With just some simple changes with SEO mindset focus, we've been able to get our career site back up to 87%. Fantastic. Out of 100. So it's a lot of those things. You have to not just collect the data, but you want to be focused on measuring the data of where your traffic is coming from. 
you know, we all have uh, limited budgets, so wherever we're going to spend our money, we need to make sure we're getting our biggest bang for buck. On the flip side, the passive side is if we're going out there and have a research organisation finding names and finding contact details, we need to be able to make sure we have somewhere to put them and and collect them so the team can go back in and, and pull them again in, in the future, collect once, use many times. So there's a lot of different technologies we leverage with that, um, the core ATS, the CRM functionalities, the, the SEO front end with, with their analytics platforms as well, as lo- along with you know, PPC and those sort of things. A lot of them are still sound quite basic, but if you don't have the basics in place, um, you're not going to get the volume of traffic you need. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll come back to um, ATSs um, in a second because I'm interested in your thoughts on how that market's changing. But just to uh, just to sort of briefly pick up on analytics, I know that um, a, a, a lot of people in terms of recruitment marketing aren't necessarily sort of tracking everything they should and they're certainly not using um, analytics in a, in a predictive or particularly sophisticated way um how how important have those those analytics been to you and what kind of things have you been able to 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 do from having that data yeah so so i think it's critical if you if you can't measure something it's it's an old manufacturing um conversation if you can't measure it you can't improve it so metrics for us has been very critical an old data point that we had years ago we we calculated this is probably 2011 that we needed on average, based on the vendor I was using at the time and, and their data from all of their 300-odd customers, we would need at least 300,000 visitors to our career site, number one. Of that 300,000, we would need at least a, a couple of thousand people to apply to actually you know, have the close ratios that we have. That, that's been valid, and we've continued to use that. We, we have probably half a million hits. For a small company, we have probably half a million hits to our career site today and in the seven years prior to me getting here, we had, I think, 10,000 applies. We now have gone from, from 15 to 25 to 35. This year, we'll probably get 45,000 applicants because we've streamlined the apply process. So if someone is going to take the, the time to apply, I want to make it as simple for them as possible that, number one, they're going to finish it, and then, number two, I actually get their data that I can then use in the future. And the most important thing is email address and phone number. And it's usually a personal email address that someone is going to put in and apply versus their work address, which means I can get them in the future. We, we made some modifications over the years to not just ask for phone number, but specifically ask for mobile phone or cell phone number. Because every time I do a conversation somewhere, I always ask how long have people had their cell phone for? And it's always five to six to 10 years. Now, if you've got access to someone for seven to 10 years, that's a long time to be able to get back to that person. So those things become critical. Some other areas within the uh, the analytic space becomes critical is is the drop off rates. You know, years ago, I had a drop off rate, which is pretty consistent in the industry. About forty percent of my appliers will drop off before they get to the end. We've continuously made improvements over over the years, and we're we're sitting between a five and a ten percent drop off rate, which means I get ninety percent of everybody that takes the time to apply. I get their information in my system that I know I can go back to and find them in the future if I need to. So, forty-five thousand um, applications. H- how do you uh, how do you kind of sort of protect your brand and 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 make sure that um, those people are having a, a kind of a good experience and and and, and being uh, communicated communicated to by your recruitment team? So that's that's setting up some basic things, and I think the the most important thing there is is then following following the disciplines and following the methodologies of candidate experience all the way through. 
the, the activities that the, that the talent board have been doing around the whole candy awards, you know, we've, we've been a participant of that from the beginning. I've been a candy board member for many years because of the work we've done around candidate experience. As soon as someone applies, we send them a little mini survey and at different touch points throughout the application process, uh, we'll actually send a survey to someone. We have rules internally that if, if someone comes through a certain way, they'll be treated a certain way within um, within an SLA. So everybody, that that's not something that one person can own. Everybody has to be behind the whole candidate experience. And to be honest, we missed one year. We, we missed and we, we slipped up in a few areas and we're, we're all over it again now um, because I think at, at some point we may have taken our eye off the ball and become a little bit complacent. So, you know, we just won the uh, the Candy Awards in the UK. We, we missed this year in the US. So we're back on on looking at what is going on within the data, where are the things um, causing our problems and, and driving accountability back out to the recruiters and, and then they know exactly what they need to do and everybody's on board with that. Fantastic. Um, coming back to the, the, the ATS question, um, obviously there's been a, a, a lot of sort of changes in the ATS market in the, in the last couple of years with, uh, you know, with new, smaller, agile players coming in and challenging some of the, um, some of the kind of legacy providers. Um, what, what's, your, what's your view, view on um, the ATS market and how it's developing? Yeah, it, it's it's gone through some changes. So we, we've been on a we were on an, an applicant tracking system, Virtual Edge, since two thousand and three at the company. We were the second VE customer, and and we only just removed it. And we only removed it because it was being sunsetted. It was being end of life, and they've turned they've turned it off. Rest in peace, Virtual Edge. So over the last couple of years, we've actually I've actually gone out and done quite deep dives on what I would call the legacy ATS vendors. And, and when we weren't exactly sure VE was going to go away, we did a, a full analysis on all the, the legacy vendors at the time. And we decided, based on what we saw back then, um, we stay where we were. Then, then VE come along and said, no, we, we are going to turn this off. Wow, we have to move. So we already seen what we knew from the legacy vendors. So we then started to aim our guns at the, the, the new vendors out there, the greenhouses, the smart recruiters, um, more of the smaller startup type vendors. And what they were able to do and what we could see from them was was chalk and cheese. Whether that translates, I'm not sure, but it was so different from the legacy vendors in what they could do. What I'd built from a technology platform over the last five years, some would say, and a lot of us are in the same boat, was a Frankenstein. There was lots of point solutions, some things connected together, some things not. It was a Frankenstein, but it, but it worked. And I've had a number of vendors say, well, you, you've got a Frankenstein, that's really hard to do. No vendor out there has, has created the perfect, the perfect platform yet. But I think the smaller startups, and that's where we've gone with smart recruiters, are, are going down that path. Smart recruiters, for me, has a marketplace within that allows vendors, and they've already got multiple vendors integrated already, to interconnect. So the day we went live, we went live with, I think it was six, six or seven integrations straight out of the box. I actually changed some background check vendors. Why? Because they were already pre-integrated into the platform, which made it a much more streamlined approach for the user, the candidate having to do the background check, but also for the recruiter to be able to trigger that background check and not have to go from multiple systems and, and, and double key things. And that's the area that I think a lot of the newer startup um, ATSs have, that more holistic view of all of the aspects you need, not just the applicant tracking side of things, which you know, applicant tracking is really more for compliance than for recruiting. 
Um, whereas a lot of these newer platforms are out there for how do we market to candidates? How do we drive more messages out there? How do we measure where things are coming from? And then the application process itself and then the workflow of getting a candidate from point A to point B through the interview cycle to hire um, is, is much easier. Absolutely, and I uh, a number of people that I've sort of been talking to recently have, have, have really sort of shared shared that view in terms of um, how how the market's developing. Um, I, again, I suppose that leads on to my to my next question. Um, you guys have always had a reputation for um, innovation in in what you do in terms of recruitment. What 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 do you think is innovative right now? What does innovation uh, innovation sort of look like at the moment? What have you uh, what have you got on your radar? What What's um, you know what's what's sort of piquing your interest? The the innovation things for us is, is so we did a lot of work around data collection in the past and we we still continue to do that. The area of focus for me is getting above the noise. You know, four or five years ago, not everybody was doing employment branding because it was it was still relatively new. No one knew what it was. Years ago, everybody wasn't doing mobile career sites. You know, everybody now is doing them. So the bar is is, is rising considerably and very, very quickly. So the area that, that I'm really focusing on these days is is around the marketing side of things and, and getting out of how recruiting would do marketing normally, but into the way marketing does marketing. So amplification of employee voice. So we, we have a number of technologies in-house that allow employees and our recruiters that whenever messages come in, they're amplified through um, five people out to their their, their Twitter networks or their LinkedIn networks out to, you know, we're, we're talking millions and millions of people to get brand awareness and, and information about the company in the front of lots of people to draw more people back in. So we're focusing a lot more on the marketing aspects of things and then also teaching recruiters how to be marketers first. If you can't market what you do and you can't promote the marketing aspects of the company, the job, you as a, as a personal brand um, individual recruiter, you're not going to attract the type of people we're looking for. So teaching them to be marketeers first, when they then get the talent in front of them that they're, they're trying to hunt down, then they can put their recruiting hat back on. And that's that's a big change we're doing on, on that front as well. Last last question, and I think it, uh, you, you may have actually already answered it, but uh, you, with, with all the kind of technology that's available and the, the analytics and uh, the, the way that things are going, um, lots of people talk about uh, you know replacing uh, some of the role of a recruiter with, with technology or, or with, with algorithms. Um, do you think that's ever going to ever going to happen, or is that or is that human aspect still absolutely vital? Can you ever can you ever say never? I, I don't think in my <laughs> lifetime. I, I just don't think in my lifetime. I think technology has its place to be able to filter things down. You know, machine learning can go so far, but that human aspect. I know if I get to somewhere I need a place to call into and I just end up with an IVR or a call center and I don't talk to a person, I'm, I'm pressing zero because I want to talk to a body. And I think recruiting is still that personal touch. And, if, and, and I often talk about the science versus the art. You know, the, the art of recruiting is a learned art. You know, some people are great at that, that sales approach and that interaction with candidates. The science side of it, I think we can automate as much as we can but I don't think in my lifetime we're going to see a recruiter being replaced by some technology. You know, people, people are people. If we look at society today and, and, and kids are coming out with not a lot of social skills because they're doing everything digitally. Um, I think well, maybe, maybe in the future when the kids think that's okay, well, maybe that would be okay in the future, but I think not in my lifetime. 
Brad, thanks very much for talking to me. Pleasure. Had a great time. My thanks to Brad Cook. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can listen to past episodes, subscribe to the mailing list and find out more about me at www.rfpodcast.com. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next week and I hope you'll join me. This is my show. Thank you.